When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures, Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron. Aaron. Aaron Havgood joining you this morning. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Real Adventures Show to join in the conversation. Good morning, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. Or Haran, as I called you before. Haran, Haran, what are you going to call me? Stupid. Haran works. Hey, big week this week. AFL Trade Week kicked off earlier in the week. We've just managed to secure our producer, Joel Brooks, for a couple of minutes here and there. He's producing 14 different shows at all. Every day for the next three weeks. And he's got a young child as well. So he's got his young child. Has his wife seen him this week? Well, they're not married. Close. They're married? You're engaged. No. Yeah. We shouldn't really bring Brooksy into this. Speaking <laughs> of babies, there is an announcement, Redmond. There is, and uh, I'm pregnant. <laughs> no, Kari, my partner. Congratulations. She's, about, well, she's nearly 15 weeks now. So um, we announced Exciting. it a week ago. Absolutely. Yeah. With uh, your wolfhound. Yes, with the pup, with um, the with pup my little that's 50 dog. kilos. 55 kilo old hunter now. So. Do you know what it is? Boy or girl? Or are you keeping oh, it a secret? A I don't know. But I'm keeping every, it a secret. I don't actually mind what I have, to be honest with you, but it's going to be a secret. We're going to do a reveal in a couple of weeks. Oh, boy. Um, if I had my choice, I'll be honest with you, I want my little boy. I don't know. Just I think I just want a boy. As long as and they're healthy. The second one, the... I want a girl for Kari. So she can go shopping with because that's what Kari likes doing. As long as they're healthy, that's all that And matters. got a better heart than what I do. That wouldn't be hard. Yours <laughs> failed early. So let's make sure that's the case. Speaking of trade week, yes. you lost uh, a very, very important player to uh, the old Cattery during the week. We did. I suppose the writing had been on the wall for, for some time, hadn't it, with, with Tim? Um, and understanding the sort of reasons behind it all um, with the family situation that he's in and the, the, the three kids that he's got and living you know, on the other side of the country. So sad to see him go because he's an absolute... A grader and he's a you know he's a gun of the competition, um, but I get it you know I did the same thing in Adelaide so um, well you were you know, in pretty much in the exact same boat exactly the same I didn't have kids though oh, so I, I certainly have yeah. uh, have great understanding for it but the club did the did the right thing and, and and made sure that we as a club were well compensated got some really good picks in so it's got to make sure Wellesley weaves his magic and we pick up some some young talent just a little bit on footy while we're here. Uh, how did he get past the West Coast a few years ago to where he is now? Well, I think every every club would have been asking themselves the same question, you know, how did we miss him? Because we missed him as Geelong because if we knew he was going to be this good, we would have picked him years ago. So yeah. um, that's always a, a question you sort of think to yourself, you know, did we rate him earlier? I asked the same thing um, a few years into my career because Rory Sloan was, was passed. No club picked him. And he wasn't picked 
uh, until the 40s in his um, top age draft year. And I was thinking, how do, how do you miss a player like this? And I remember talking to Matty Randall and Hamish Ogilvy, who were the Adelaide recruiters at the time. And, you know, they're talking about, oh, yeah, he's good, but just a little bit untidy here and there. And, you know, there's always reasons why you, you don't pick players and there's reasons why you, you like them. Um, but at a young age, you you know, you don't have the runs on the board. As a recruiter, you only see what's in front of you and, and the performance that you see. You don't – it's hard to predict sometimes how they'll play and cope with AFL level. But Tim has clearly just – you know, he's thrived. Second of the best and fairest two years running. You just wonder how many people are out there that haven't been picked up, like especially people like myself, like athletic <laughs> figure. And... Absolutely, yes, yes. <laughs> Players just like you. Oh, there's plenty. Yeah, plenty. There's absolutely plenty. And, um, you know, that's the, the biggest – challenge for recruiting, you know, understanding those players. And that's what trade week is all about. You, you know, as a club, you're wondering, oh, can we unlock this talent? Have we seen, um, you know, have we seen it develop the way that we thought it would, you know, when we saw this player at, at 18 years of age and now they've been in the system for five years and all of a sudden they're, they're an opportunity to, to bring them in as a trade. So fascinating week. I, I think it's become bigger and bigger every year and it certainly gets people excited. That's for sure, Redmond. Back to the fishing, Patrick. Yeah, that's I, enough footy. I had a uh, not a bad week. It was um, cold again this week, just gone, wasn't it? It was that lot of that sort of thirteen to fifteen, a lot of rain. Start of the week, which was extraordinary because the week before we just had some beautiful weather for fishing. It was twenty odd degrees. And and we think... keep talking about oh, the the weather's finally turned, and all of a sudden, once that um, that water temperature changes, the snapper are really going to turn on. But we keep getting these cold snaps, which isn't allowing the water to maintain its temperature and. Oh, you got your surface temperature, yeah, and then you've got what's down the bottom. And what happens is on a hot day, the surface surface temperature, say it gets up to fifteen degrees all of a sudden. Yeah, but then you get two cold days, and just because that surface temperature was fifteen at the time, it doesn't mean it's what's down there. We need yeah. the consist- consistency to create the water, the whole um, water column to heat up. And we just what about have, those warmer currents that come down from yep, you know. North and big factor, yep. big factor coming down from New South Wales into your Gippsland area, um, tucking around the coast there. Uh, that's probably where a lot of our water comes from, especially our kingfish water. I was going to say because that's when we're going to start to see uh, some catch rates of kingfish. Um, we've seen Maui Maui, the dolphin fish off Torquay and um, and and different places on, along the coast. So we see that in the next few weeks. Is it going to be months? Mm, not weeks. Is it hard to predict? It's not weeks. It's I think the snapper season is still at least a month away. Now, uh, you said two weeks ago that we were on, we were on snapper we season. Are, it, we were, it, was, it, is, it was here. And then what I mean by snapper season is it's here. It is here. There's snapper being caught, but I'm talking about the consistency. So I'm talking about the um, the charter boats going out there and they're getting their bag limits for customers on both on both trips. Um, right now, they're doing. Hard yards are getting one fish or two fish. Yep. So that means you still, it's still snapper season. It started. It's well and truly started. But it's not into gear yet. So it hasn't – it's not – I wouldn't be sending someone out there – for example, I wouldn't go do a show out there with you to film it yep. because I don't think there's a good chance of us catching fish on every session. Where during snapper season, when I say mid-November, um, just when we get back from Cairns, will be perfect for, um, for uh, snapper. It'll be red hot. So your target species for – the past week, but just projecting over this weekend and the coming week, what do you reckon is worth targeting? Well, this week I had really nice tides just gone, so the whiting were really, really good. 
around that um, St. Leonard's area, and I spoke about the fish being small, but they've they've really improved in size up there. We're talking Whiting or? Yeah, King George Whiting, King yep, George. Up, yep. down up, up at St. Leonard's. Um, and then the snapper offshore, they're still in good numbers, but it's just getting the weather. So we had a lot of onshore weather this week, so a lot of that south, southeasterly, southwesterly as well, which is no good for out there. And even if it's 10 to 12 knots, it's still not that nice out there. Even if it's been going for a few days, it gets worse and worse. It continues to build. Gummy sharks are plenty full, but for the next week we have, I'm pretty sure it's going to be twenty odd degrees at start of next week, which I'm I'm in Byron Bay, so I'm 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 pretty happy be, out there. So definitely going to be twenty up there. We've then. got eighty mil of rain coming on one of the days, which is the day that you, you've got a wedding. You've got up a there. wedding up there, and it's the day <laughs> eighty mil of rain, <laughs> and that's not joking. It's eighty mil to come, they reckon, but. Yeah, the weather's going to warm up. Bring your bogs up there and where those no, are t- Well, I said to everyone, I'll, I'll take the stabby up there and I'll um, I'll drive everyone instead of taxis. We'll just start doing trips up the road. But it's um, it's going to heat up. We've got the the weather coming in Victoria here where it's going to heat up. Top of New South Wales um, still, Al McGlash, the yellow fin tuna he's been catching, mm. big numbers. And there, that's great to see because we spoke about this we had Lee Rayner on a few months back, and he said how we've never, we haven't seen the are the yellowfin tuna like they have been, um, and so for a con- long time, and so consistent. Every like, day they're getting fish, which yep. is awesome to see. Um, another thing as well is those big barrel bluefin tuna, which has caused some controversy over the last month with the divers. They are still there. There's plenty of barrels still there. Um, a couple of divers were still in the water during the week, and they got some nice fish, and so did fishermen. Uh, it wasn't the best conditions, but it was doable. Important to note, um, next week we're going to cover off our Cairns trip and we're preparing for that and we've sort of been getting organised with lures, uh, et cetera, just around um, upgrading the tackle you've got, especially if you're going to go chase these big tuna on surface gear. Yep, yep. so these guys that are going out there and targeting them with their stick baits, you can't just uh, go with tr- your basic treble hooks. Yep, so what, you're going to your local tackle world, Anaconda, BCF, yep. you know, you don't just whip them out of the packet and then tie them onto your leader, there's a fair bit more into it. Some of them will come pre-rigged. Oh, sorry, not pre-rigged. Or we pre-rigged with, without the leader. They'll come with rigged up hooks. Um, so and th- and um, split rings. And that's what yeah, they they'll have all this up the upgraded stuff. Some of them will and some of them won't. So a brand that I love to use is... How do you tell? Oh, it's pretty simple. The, the first s- one's the trebles. Yep. Um, if they're with trebles, uh, I'd be getting them off straight away. Doesn't work well with the fish. So we love using bungee casts. Yep, the bungee casts are great. Yep. The problem with them is they come with trebles. Yep. And we tend to use them on kingfish and smaller bluefin tuna rather than barrels because they would catch barrels, but the hook size won't match super well with a bungee cast just because it's only, what is it, a three-inch, it's only two and a half, probably three-inch little um, stick bait, isn't it? It's not a big stick bait where these guys are using um, big mega bass, like big six-inch plus lures, um, casting surface lures, and the trebles on the – they're probably nearly strong enough, but what happens in a treble is they work against each other. So if one pulls one way, it's pulling out the other way. So if the fish in the corner of them, if it hooks, gets hooked anywhere in the mouth, it can actually work royal, really uh, completely against you and not to, for you, where your single hook will hopefully pin it in the corner somewhere. If you do hook them, there are better chances better of retention chance of, and keeping the fish. As well as um, looking after the fish too if you are going to release it. A lot of guys – if they get a barrel, they're probably going to keep the first one. But if you are going to release it, they work um, much better than the trebles. But upgrading them, split rings, uh, single single hooks. Um, you can nearly run one hook. You can run some people like one, but two is what I'd be using. And just getting uh, a nice big extractor popping rod and casting out with um, the the rod the reels you're going to use. That's up to you. Um, some people are using big saragosas. 
um, 18,000s. I was going to say anything above 10,000. Yeah, anything above there. And and some people are using – most people are using braid. You can um, – you, the reason most people are using braid on the casting side of it is because you, the braid casts so much I was going to say the, the length. Yeah, I've, it casts miles. I've just changed from from the different um, brands of braid to, to a Finns 40G. Yep. And I reckon I've gained 20, 25 oh, meters. Yeah, and, and, just meters. The, and it's not only that. Is you've got to remember that the lure – so when you cast, say for example, you're casting with a ten knot breeze, and you get a, a nice school of fish that are busting up, um, say fifty meters from you, 40, 50 meters, with the mono, when you're actually retrieving that lure and you want to create an action through that rod to create the lure moving through the water, the mono doesn't do that like the braid. The braid gives you a direct contact and a direct movement with the lure to create the shape in the water of that fish, intimidating an injured fish. Where mono um, obviously has the stretch. Mono, you know, it'll still work, but it's not going to work as good as what. Um, well, there's too much stretch. Yeah, it's just simple. Yeah. Same as I don't like using mono for a lot of things, but then you got the downfall of it though, and this is where the mono, where I like to use mono as an advantage, is when you do hook a fish, you've got so much pressure on that braid um, that things can go wrong. Where the mono is abrasive, so you can have a seal come up and knock the mono and not necessarily break it off or. See where you hit the line and not cut you off. Where with braid, it basically anything touches that under load, anything whether it's another rod um, or anything else, mm. um, it, it's going to cut you off. So braid, it's, it's still worth heading down there though, 100%. just back onto the tuna because yeah. it's just going as good as going to be. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Real Adventure Show to join in the conversation. This is Real Adventures. Plenty more to come. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for The Social Club. If you have a question for us, make sure you send it in on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Real Adventures Show. The queen of Instagram, Aaron Hapgood, is always happy to answer questions, aren't you, Redmond? As long as they're not hard. We can work with what we what we got, though, today. All right. In front of me, the questions. John, first up, how far are kingfish away, Aaron? Why do I feel like it's probably your dad who sent this in, John? He's been uh, on my back about it. Well, lately. it might be. It, it, it very may well be. <laughs> uh, kingfish, they're not far away. Now, the problem is we see a lot of reports. Excuse me, I just lost my bottle top. We see a lot of reports from the eastern seaboard. Um, the rumour Sydney has not stopped in the past this season. Yeah, Gwaine went up there a couple of weeks back and had a great session on the kingfish. But this is how crucial the water quality is and the temperature is – he got fish for two days or a day and a half, and then all of a sudden the current changed. And within a minute, basically, he didn't get kingfish for another two days. So He's really specific when he talks about temperatures in Western Port and Port Phillip Bay. He reckon like it's, it's, you know, point whatever of a degree, and they won't bite. Exactly. Are you, Gra- in, the, are you in that boat? Gwaine is a little bit more than me. He um he loves it like he he puts it down to the to the millimeter basically. So I'm, you reckon they're less finicky? I'm a bit simple, Pat. Well, he catches bigger fish than this, so maybe we should listen to him. He did catch some big kingfish last year. But basically, he's following that current that comes down from the east coast. Following him around, and he's fishing them down. Now, you've got Malakuta as well, great fishery. You've also got um, Marlow, Cape Comoran area, great fishery. Gippsland, all through that, um, Wilson Proms, right down to us. And we're sort of the last one to get that temp. Docklands. Docklands a couple of years ago. There was actually a king. That was last year. Last year, yeah, Eddie had yeah. Eddie had kings. The first, the first sight of a kingfish well, was there. Was a heap of kings out off um one of the Mordialic, one of the Mordialic, I think it was Mordialic Pier the other day in Port Phillip Bay. Heap of them. 
So, it was more the Alec Pier where we saw that tuna. There was a tuna. Oh, so, well. Yeah, I think it was down there too. Yep. All those fish are so lost. So maybe we should just go. That's where you, you should You know be what I reckon Morty the key Alec is? Pier. Do you know how we're saying all these temperatures? I reckon people only fish when the temperature comes right. What about if we actually fished all year? We'd probably catch them all year round. I know the guys at Apollo Bay think that the kingfish are there all year round. Yeah. And well, obviously the temperatures change. Yeah, ocean currents. But they still believe that they're there all year round. People Bas- just don't fish for them. So basically, long story short, what we're trying to see is 18 degrees of water, give or take. And that's when we're going to have consistency of big kingfish in um, in around the Port Phillip Bay, Western Port Heads for us. Is that when we'll start to see them schooling up and you'll see them on the surface? Yep. Like yep. That's what we've seen off, you know, specifically off Torquay, is we don't see that right throughout the year. No, so that is the big difference. That February is probably nearly the prime time, January, February for that. Yep. But then you've got Portland as well. Portland's another great fishery for it. Um, and Lady Julie Percy down there, awesome. Yep. It's one of those places that holds them – pretty much all summer, I guess you could say, yep. as well as school bluefin tuna as well. And they're not just school bluefin. They're up to 40 kilos, some of them. So they're quite big fish. So to answer your question, once the water temp kicks up, December onwards, we'll be uh, catching kingfish, no worries. Kane, when will we see sharks more often off the surf coast? When will we be able to target them as a species? feels like it's um, everyone that knows you, Pat, asking questions today. Kane Corns, this one? No, it's not Kane Corns. Oh. Um, basically... Same as Kingfish. But he is a shark, though. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get No, nah, he's not. He's like a little pipsqueak. Yeah. <laughs> he's not a big Bruce. No, nah, he's a big Bruce. Uh, um, <laughs> one of those ones that bite you from behind. <laughs> no, nah, we love Kane. Anyway, back to our question on sharks. Obviously, you'll fish for gummy sharks all yep. year round, but when we'll start to Truthy see ones. Makos, blues, bronzies. Wouldn't waste your time until basically the end of November. I'd start to look yep. uh, once the bait arrives. So our sharks feed off our um, off our bait that arrives here, such as uh, barracuda, um, arrowsquid, and slimy mackerel. And so all, all those species, because yep. obviously the the you know the target species out of those three is generally mako sharks. Yep. great sport fish. Where your blue uh, sharks are pretty ordinary. Not you don't tend to want to catch those. No, nah, bronzies great eating. Bronzies are good, and they fight hard. Bronzies, they're a, you caught a big one a few years ago. They're a yeah. dog. They fight like a bluefin tuna yep. down deep, and they pull. Um, awesome eating shark. They're really good up yeah. there with mako. But so they'll, they'll all come at around the same. Yeah, time. Yeah, pretty much. You'll start seeing reports of on your beaches. I think a lot of sharks get mistaken along our beaches, right from your place all the way down to us. Um, I think. Every second shark's a great white, where I think a lot of them are bronzies. Yep. They get big. They get big, real big, like three, two and a half meters, like real big sharks. And they, um, yeah, you just, once you see those reports, don't swim, just go fishing because there's, that's when the bait's here. That's probably more your December. That's when the flags are up on the beaches. So your December um, right through till February, March is when the shark's going to be here in good numbers. Rob, Aaron, I'm looking at purchasing a new boat. Do you have a self-training deck in your steady craft? No, I don't. Um, good question because they do work well. I think it comes down to where you're fishing and what you're fishing for. And now what I mean by that is if I was specifically just targeting um, marlin out of my boat, not much else, I'd probably have it. Yep. But on anchor, Port Phillip Bay, fishing snapper in the chop, you're going to have wet feet all the time. Um, because the slop comes in, you can have obviously scuppers on them that don't, the scuppers that close, so you don't, they don't let water in and such. But I, just, I don't know. I think I think they're a great thing on specific boats, as in bigger charter boats and the like that don't have bilge pumps. That well, they do all have bilge pumps, but the water you're not relying on your bilge pumps. The water can run straight out. 
But smaller boats like ours, I just have a small bilge pump. It's the weight that changes it. As soon as you bring that uh, that floor height up, the center of gravity changes. Uh, that's a big factor. And I don't think they, especially um, at rest, they they move far greater than anything that's, you know, it's designed just to have the bilge at the back and your floor height. It's like we're talking inches mm. that, it, well, that it changes. Eden Craft were going to do a self-draining deck and they just couldn't because it was going to change the whole um, prospect of the boat. It just wasn't going to work. Yep. So there's numerous reasons. Also. It's great for cleaning the boat when you're out there because, oh, awesome. you know, the blood and guts doesn't remain in the boat, but that's why you've got to, that's why you clean it after every run. That's why you've got bilge pumps. And Yeah. I thought they were a great thing. Has had a trail craft for a while as, it, as a small boat and it was brilliant. But once again, like well, I think when you're fighting fish, it's nice to have the um, the side decks above knee height so yep. you can lock your knees in, especially when we're chasing the big tuna. Well, yeah. Whereas you can't do that with the self-draining deck. That's, and I know, too high. I know North Bank's the same as Stabycraft. They've got nice um, high sides great and you can depth. rest into yep. them and you can rest into them to fight the fish, but they're not too high where you can't reach the water to clean your hands. I hate that when you're on a, a little <laughs> boat and you're trying to reach <laughs> over and grab the water. You're like, I just want to clean my biting off my hand. But the stabies on the borderline of that, where I could just reach it because I got the rails on the side on the of the boats, and you're like trying to reach over, and you get, and the wave comes, and you finally, there finally you go. That's, clean your hands. That's real, the real that's reason. That's the you main just reason I like have. to be clean. <laughs> if you've got a question for our social club, make sure you send it into us. Facebook.com forward slash Real Adventures Show. Up next on Real Adventures, all aboard. On Real Adventures, it's time to get all aboard for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for All Aboard for Dometic. Whether you're on the road or out at sea, Dometic has you covered. Our special guest this morning is Steve Walker, CEO of the BIAV, who this weekend, Redmond, there's a fair bit happening. There is a fair bit happening. Um, we're going to let Steve take us through most of the details, but the 2019 Lake Ilden Boating and Fishing Show. Take us through what it is, Steve. Um, it's quite different to the Melbourne Boat Show because obviously there's great access to actually testing boats on the water, which as a Victorian, we never get to the uh, the privilege of being able to do that with the Melbourne Boat Show. Yeah, well, Aaron and, and, and Patty, thanks very much for having me on your show and giving me the chance to talk about this exciting new event. So as you, as you just said then, it does have some discerning features from the Melbourne Boat Show, which is a great success for us every year at Jeff Shed in the June period. This has got an outdoor dynamic, obviously. It's got a non-water dynamic, and it's got the magnificent houseboats, which are going to be on display for people to explore and look at and consider maybe even, um, you know, investing in. So, yeah, there's a few, a few differences, and, um, yeah, it's off, it's off to a great start. For those looking at purchasing uh, a houseboat or uh, a powerboat, uh, how many different boats are available to actually test on the water? Yeah, look, we've been unbelievably um, fortunate. The at the Eildon Boat, Boat Club, the Darlingford Waters um, Boat Club and the Jerusalem Creek Club and Holiday Park have, have provided us with these fantastic marina infrastructures that are set up here at the Houseboat Harbour, which is the Alliance Boat Ramp ordinarily. And that's enabled us to have about 40 boats across those marinas. And it's everything from, from some fantastic wake and ski boats to a, a range of fishing boats. We've even got some pontoon boats some barbecue boats and some cruising boats. It's a little bit of everything. And there's about 40 in total. All the dealers are here, the major dealers from around the state. Uh, they'll be taking registrations, taking people out, and um, you know, and they'll, they'll if they're not already engaged in the in the in the in the fact that life's better with a boat, our motto, 
um, hopefully they will be by the end of the day or two and um, they'll be looking to either buy a boat or, or get involved in boating in some way, shape or form and get into the lifestyle that we're trying to promote here on this magnificent lake. Steve, now, as someone who is very interested in boats itself, that's, um, I would be coming to this event to check out boats but not necessarily buy a boat for me. If someone was coming to buy a boat, how do they organise to actually be able to go for a test run? Because there's going to be a lot of time wasters, if that makes sense, people just wanting to go for little rides. Do you have to register or book or anything to get a spot on the boats? Yeah, look, each of, each of the dealers will get, get an, a prospective person to fill out a form that gives their, their name and details and email address and signs the waiver that says that they'll be safe, etc. So they've got to give a little bit of intent. And there's, a, there's a trust element. I mean, there certainly will be a few people that want to go for a joyride, but our boat dealers are a pretty smart breed of people, and I know you've come across many of them, and some of them are in partnerships with you guys, so you know a few of them already. They're no fools, so they'll, they'll know who the tie kickers are and who's serious about getting into a boat. And a lot of people um, have a taste of boating, and they, and they may not purchase there and then. I know a lot of people come to the Melbourne Boat Show and it mightn't be until two years later that they then say, right, I'm now ready to buy. So, you know, I think our dealers know that there's 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 a bit of time and effort and sometimes they hit and sometimes they miss. But, um, overall, um, they're, they're going well and this is another opportunity for them to, to do just that, to sell a few things. Talk about the family-oriented uh, element of the show. It's obviously uh, important for anyone looking to purchase boat or getting into fishing that the family can come along for the ride um, when possible, um, the show's set up to, to cater for families as well. Yeah, well, today, Saturday's a huge day here, so there's a, there's a few things going on on the water to, to look out for, and there's some fantastic presenters on stage. The, the headline act is, uh, is Lee Rayner. He's going to be on stage a couple of times doing presentations and all things relating to fishing and, and, and with a focus on this, this particular lake yield and area. Um, there's, there's, a, there's a host of other, other presenters. Into the evening, there's a twilight cinema for the kids. There's a live band for, well, the kids and the adults. The waterfront bar and cafe is going to be going from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Did I say 10 a.m. to 8 p.m.? I meant to. <laughs> and then, there's the, then, then, then there's the Life's Better With A Boat fireworks on the lake. So we've got a massive fireworks display. We're hoping that there'll be a heap of the heap of the patrons will stick around on the precinct for that and from the lookout areas, but also from the water. We're expecting a lot of families to be out on their own houseboats or their cruising boats or fishing boats or whatever, uh, taking in the fireworks at about court to eight thirty, court to nine Saturday night. So yeah, plenty for the families. We've got a we've got a we've got a release of um, some uh, some trout. They're going in the water on tomorrow morning. Uh, mid-morning around 11 so there's a few hundred trout being released by the Victorian Fishing Authority so I, I, I mean we're promoting it as a, something for the kids to take in but I've been around five decades myself and I'm actually looking forward to seeing that myself <laughs> so um, I want to be, be part of that so it's kids and adults to be part of that there's tours to Snobs Creek Hatchery um, yeah and just bits and pieces and other things too to wander around there's a there's a half a dozen food caterers here and um yeah, and as I said, the waterfront bar and cafe will be going around the clock through till, through till 5 o'clock Sunday. You you made it very clear that it's uh, family-friendly. Uh, the cost to get in um, for an event like this? Yeah, I, I'd have to say it, it hasn't been a cheap event to put together, given that we've turned a boat ramp into an event precinct with five marinas that weren't here. <laughs> it hasn't been a cheap event, and obviously there's, there's costs associated with promotion and all the other staffing and what have you, but we've been fortunate that both Murrindindi Shire and the uh, state government have, have come on board this event. They really got behind it, and that's enabled us to make it a free event for the public. So 
Um, we'll be taking people's details. We'll be, we'll be trying to capture their data so we can speak to them in the future about life's better with a boat and how they can get more engaged and come to the next shows and what have you. But uh, no, free to get in and um, plenty to see and do. How good is that, Raven? You love anything that's free. So do you. <laughs> Hashtag Nike. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> Steve, before we let you go, one of the big, not criticisms, but we were we review all the boat shows that we go to and one of the challenges that I think um, Melbourne has faced at different stages is just the lack of fishing gear that we've seen sort of develop over the years at the boat show. Um, there's obviously plenty of um, opportunities to actually purchase rod and reels and combos, especially with the fact that you might actually be able to go out and catch a few trout while you're there. Yeah, for sure. There's 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 several um, people displaying fishing related equipment and gear, and there's actually a lure clinic. And I don't know exactly what a lure clinic is, <laughs> but uh, but Peter from Jerusalem Creek, who's one of our sponsors, um, Peter's put that together, and uh, that that'll be that'll be part of the event. And there's, there's a few others that'll be that'll be talking fishing. Um, AFN will be here and, and a few others. So, look, I understand the, the comment about Melbourne Boats are not having enough. It's a little bit expensive for some people to, to exhibit there. It's obviously a hell of a lot uh, more affordable here to exhibit because we're outdoors and what have you. Um, but, yeah, we'll be doing our best to make it a really fishing-focused event. And it, 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 you know, it's going to have ski boat, wake boat, cruising, the whole lot. But there's a, there is a very strong fishing flavour here. And Lee Rayner and Rex Hunt have been um, figureheads for that. And Lee will be here later today and um, over the weekend. I'm not um, sure, Paddy, saying Lee's going to be there is going to help, is it? <laughs> 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 One of our good friends of uh, Real Adventures, Lee Rayner. Uh, Steve, thanks for joining us this morning. Um, the itinerary that you've put together for the show, it's sensational, Redmond, as we spoke about it before. Is. It's free to attend. And in terms of it being family-oriented, it's about as well set up as any um, you know, fishing day that I can just about remember. The fact, releasing fish, there's 40-odd boats to go and visit. They've obviously got the houseboats. Um, Not just 40-odd boats to visit, to test run too, which is extremely important. So if you're buying a boat, you want to yeah, know how it goes. Exactly right. The Lake Ilden Boating and Fishing Show, it is on right now. Uh, Steve, thanks for joining us this morning on Real Adventures. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks, Pat. Steve Walker, the BIAV CEO if you're around that region or you're looking for something to do this weekend, the Lake Ilden Boating and Fishing Show is on, and that's exactly what uh, that's where I'd be heading. Redmond, it is time for your review, and it's a special review today because you're actually you're almost opening a new segment. It's almost sort of Red's sort of kitchen. You want to talk today around? Uh, you've been catching a few whiting of late and a few snapper, and you can talk to us about cooking them. I was actually having a chat to your old man the other day and going through our. Basically, cooking's my hobby now. It's come. It's uh, well, it should be because you catch enough fish <laughs> that you should be able to cook them relatively well, well and, and not just in beer batter. I like my lamb and my pork as well. But no, you are right. Cooking fish, I think it's um, it's an aspect that people have a struggle a lot with. And how I know this is on Soul Club, we have a recipe section that people can visit, and so many people are using the recipes and messaging us on how to do stuff with whatever they catch because people know how to catch it, cooking it. It's a hard, it's a whole other ball game, and now one of the big challenges when we've seen so many great captures of tuna in Portland. Oh, yeah. People have no idea no. one how to bleed them, but then how to cook them and actually use the incredible fish they've just caught. A lot just go to waste. Well, I don't eat a lot of the barrel bluefin tuna that I catch, but um, as such as in steak form. But what I have done the past year is I've actually turned it into what you buy in the store as you can tuna. I actually am now making that. It's a process. But it is rewarding at the end. Now you I, turn 
bluefin tuna into canned tuna. Literally. Literally exactly the same. So I'm going to take you through a little bit of process for that just quickly. So I get my bluefin um, bit of meat. I chuck it into smaller chunks, so not your whole big big chunks, just into, I don't know, handfuls, I guess you could say. And I boil it up. Fist size? Yeah, fist size. And I boil that up. And then I- um, In fresh or salt water? I I use salt water. Um, I've- been, I use cooking salt as what I've been using. Um, you probably could get it from the ocean, but I've just been doing that. Yep. Um, I, I then boil it, and then we um, – got to remember what I do here. Boil it up, and then I've got jars ready to go, but you've got to make sure that you sterilize them, even if you just bought them. The reason I say this is because uh, if you use unsterilized, what happens is in the, in the whole process of um, preserving your fish, that's when the bacteria can get – uh, cause sicknesses in the in the meats. Yep. So actually, look after your jars, like um, sterilize them properly. Yep. And then I um, once I've done that, I let it I let it cool down. And in my jars, while I'm waiting for it to cool down, I create my flavors. So I then put whatever flavor. So you go look at your um, uh, you, what, what's the tuna brand that I'm thinking of? Um, John West. John West. That's the one. John West. You look at his cans. Endures this is honestly <laughs> harshest to deliver you the best or something like of that. dolphin. <laughs> I can't say of that, dolphin. can I? <laughs> but they um. I just went there and I just took photos of all the cans and the flavors and I just made them up myself. And so I put the flavors in with the tuna and then I then reseal the jars by putting them back into boiling water, but just above the lid. So it vacuum seals them down and it, that seals the jar itself. And then I um, put it in the cupboard to preserve. But one thing you got to be careful with, Pat, is um, I read this online and I asked a few people, garlic, garlic doesn't preserve as such. So if you're actually putting garlic in with your tuna for, say, a few months, the longer you leave it, the more chance it can go off and actually harm you quite bad because it doesn't preserve. So you've got to be a bit mindful if you are doing garlic flavor to maybe eat them in a month or so, not not don't eat it for the longer periods. Now I've got some left in there from my first batch that we opened up for, oh, we have a Bickies when people come over, just I pull the tuna out, put it in a, in a bowl, and we just eat Bickies and cheese with it. It's unreal. And um that, that tastes unreal. Like I said, four months ago, and yeah. it's still perfect. So it's a good way to do yet. it. Um, calamari, I just crumbed it the other night. Um, just shallow fried very, very, um, very quickly, like 30 seconds on each side. But the tip to what I do with the calamari is I had it in milk first. So when I got home from fishing in the morning, I covered it in milk till we ate. And it was probably nearly close to eight hours later when we ate it. And that there breaks the enzymes up in the squid. And you can, um, you can, um, it's just sorry, it comes out tender rather than as chewy. Yeah, um, you could also be a real good cook like me and get it perfect every time, but it just no, it doesn't it doesn't happen like that. <laughs> I wish it did, <laughs> but I could talk about this all day, so we might have to do another segment. But there's a lot of another um, couple of tips on cooking fish. The whiting the other day was canned tuna. Canned tuna paprika <laughs> was beautiful the other day on my whiting. Um, smoked as well, smoked paprika. Just reminded me if we're nice. going to get someone to talk about um, cooking from now on. We'll do it with with the uh, professionals. And we get Sam, Sam Goodwin. Sam Goodwin to come <laughs> hey, in. Come on, I'll go right there. You're listening to Real Adventures. Plenty more after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. Your target for the weekend, Redmond? Um, I'm not sure yet, to be honest with you. I'm going to have a look. You've got some um, nice weather coming. Like I said, I'm up in Byron soon, so if I can sneak a charter boat up there... It's a bit hard, How though. How do you reckon I'm going to go? Well, there's Ballina that you can go sort of half an hour south, but not really one of those places that we used to travel every school holidays as a youngster, but it, it wasn't really one of those places that you go and fish. Like what I said to you on the way uh, here, long, on the way here to, to do the show, I hope I don't see a fishing rod. 
It's good beach fishing, but I just, I just think no. I think I'm going to avoid it. I think I want a holiday. I want to do. I said to you, I want nice food, some drinks. We're, we're doing a heat back. We're going to um, in Gold Coast. We're starting in Byron, working our way up. We're doing a couple of theme. We're doing one theme park. We're doing um, some zoo or something that Park Curry and girls want to go to. Some sort um, of zoo. playing okay. golf up there. Some golf thing that. Yeah, it's good. You're really engaged in the holiday. I like the food and the drinks. It's time for Red's tip for New Age Caravans. Spring into summer sale now on Redmond. This this week's tip. Is that you're right? Well, I was going to intro. I was going to come off the back of, there's been a lot of questions on our social club around squid. We thought we'd hold off the questions into the tip for the weekend around searching and finding out the eggs because that's been a, a common theme. How do I find squid eggs? You talk about them being everywhere. How do I locate them? So basically this weekend's coming for the guys that are fishing around the Port Phillip Bay Heads region. We're going to have some nice weather. We've got easterly wind in it. So what happens on easterly winds? A lot of the time the swell comes down. And the swell is basically what impacts the clarity of the water down the bottom end of the heads. Now, as this water comes in from the ocean, if the swell's up, it dirties up. Then on the outgoing tide, as it all pushes out, it clears up. And the reason for the clarity is not only just to catch squid, but it's also to see the eggs. Now, what we're looking for is white, the white, I always say this, the white vegetable, cauliflower, yep. on the ground. The white, white, that's what you're looking for on the ground. A lot of the time you can't see that if you don't know what you're looking for or if the water's slightly dirty. Or if you don't have a decent pair of glasses. So Big, whatever you do, massive, massive. buy yourself a pair of Polaroids. So how, you're gonna, how you can find them is... By setting drifts up in areas where they were. So if you caught them last year in the areas and you don't know how you did it, go back to those areas and do similar drifts through that area. If you catch one squid, mark it on your GPS and do drifts over it again. A lot of the time, they will all be together. The squid will always sit together. So, excuse me. So basically, how you set your drift up, you need to allow for wind and tide. So if... The squid eggs, sorry, if you get a squid and you're drifting one way and you get a few squid that way, but the tide starts to slow down because you're fishing the end of the tide and the wind takes over, you might start missing them if you start doing it the same way. So drifting over the same spot on is generally where the patch of eggs are going to be and the squid are sitting there protecting it. Other way, like the grass bed, Swan Bay last week had a heap of eggs in there and you could just see them all over the ground. You could see the squid sitting on them. So it's a visual aspect. And it's also an aspect of setting your drifts up and monitoring when you actually do catch squid and setting your drifts on the same spot. Nice work. Thanks. That is Red's <laughs> tip for New Age Caravans. Spring into summer sale now on. Visit your local dealership for more details. It's time for the Flying Gaff, Redman. It's a bit of a shared gaff today because it was actually, I said to you, how long does Trade Week go for? Do you want to share to the listeners? Well, Trade Week is... is Two weeks, Trade Radio, obviously on the uh, on the app, and there's a bit of coverage on, on our station, SEN, uh, right around the country as well, goes for three weeks. But uh, the flying gaff this week goes to Tim Kelly for leaving July. <laughs> <laughs> leaving July. Can you do that? No, I don't mean it anyway. No, we loved him. No, the flying gaff this week is heading to Trade Week. You're not happy with how long it's taken. No, it's you're pathetic. An, you're now an avid Geelong fan, and you want everything to be wrapped up a lot quicker. I just don't understand how it can take – Two to three weeks to work out where players are going. Well, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just the swapping of a player for picks or or picks for pick picks for pick now. So what do they do? What do all you guys do all year that organise this trade week? No, well, this is the AFL. No, that but comes as out as and the says, players. Sorry, that the players. Sorry, not the players. The guys that actually 
well, run trade week for your club. What well, do they do all year? That's your list management. Well, they're, they're constantly dealing with different scenarios. So they? when they go into trade week, they should rock up, meet with the teams, done. Well, that's what they do. Two but minutes. It, but it, not everyone. A couple of phone calls. It's a, it's a discussion. It's never going to be, um, it's never going to be done straight up. There's ongoing. Why um, did Tim discussion. Kelly take 16 days to get traded? He didn't. He'd only took a couple of days. That shows the professionalism already, he was always of both going. Um, well, yeah, he probably was. So, what, so instead of having, oh, the Tim Kelly, I'm sick of seeing on my Facebook. There's, just, been two there's days so much detail that goes into what clubs want. Like everyone wants to be a winner out of trade week. So you to- you get that. So that takes a while to negotiate a fair outcome for all parties because everyone wants to be able to sell to their members and their players and everyone involved in the organization that we got a fair deal. Where's your white? We were successful at Where's it. your white Everest? My white Everest. Oh, yeah, the <laughs> I filled it up with AdBlue in the diesel. <laughs> did you? Because you actually legit wouldn't tell me this. Did you really? Yeah, I did. We forgot to talk about it earlier. We're, we're <laughs> out of time. Yeah, I filled it up with AdBlue. And, um, I take it back. Treyway's not. You have got the gaff. If you've actually done that. <laughs> Long story. You know what's happened in the engine? Total doesn't rebuild. work. <laughs> Total rebuild. All right. Oh, this, it's time to wrap it up. This has been Real Adventures. <laughs> <laughs> we're going fishing and I'm not using my car. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.